Hey, this is Minta, and you're listening to Mint, the podcast equipping you to run the race of faith well. I like to say that we meet at the intersection of real life and the Word of God. Together, let's find practical ways we can grow stronger in our faith, live according to truth, and love those around us. I love hearing from you. So if you've been impacted by the show or have a question or just need prayer, please drop me an email at the address listed in the show notes. Mint is listener supported, and we would be so honored if you would consider making a donation to help keep us on the airwaves. All donations are tax deductible. Simply head to our website for more details, www.amintageisler.com. Let's do this faith journey together. Well, welcome to the show. I am so excited to spend time with you diving deep into God's Word and applying it to our daily walk. And what a joy it is to be on this faith journey with you, my friends. So thank you for tuning in today. And we are currently spending time in an incredible portion of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount. And it is found in Matthew 5 through 7. And it's the longest recorded sermon that we have that Jesus gave us. And it is just a great guidebook for walking out what true godly righteousness looks like in the world today. And so we are going to tackle tackle arguably the most well-known prayer today in the Bible, and that's the Lord's Prayer. Now, most of us have known the words in this prayer since we were little, and we probably have it memorized. But do we really understand the enormous power of this prayer? Have we ever stopped to analyze it line on line? Or do have we just said it because we know it and we don't even think about it. So today, we are going to explore why is it here, sitting in this sermon, and what is the meaning of this prayer, and how can we apply it to change our own prayer life. I'm so excited. This is going to be a fabulous day. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are and how you love us. We thank you for your words that guide us. And now we pray that in these next minutes, you would give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you, and hearts that are open to learning from you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, just as a quick review, uh, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount for 12 or 13 episodes now, and, and we started by talking about the Beatitudes, and that was what it really looks like to be filled with godly righteousness. And then in the last couple of episodes, we talked about just six different examples of walking out this righteousness. And those were some really challenging portions of scripture where we talked about what does it mean when the Bible says, do not even be angry, don't even lust, don't get divorced, don't take vows, don't take revenge, love your enemy. And so if you have missed any of those sessions, I would encourage you to go back and start at the beginning of season three when we dive into this sermon because the principles that we learned do build on each other as you go through this sermon. And so Jesus just really does a wonderful job of taking us step by step, building on what has come before it, and just really showing us how to walk a godly life. So today we are going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. In the portion of scripture that we're going to tackle is Matthew 6, verses 1 through 19. And I think that the best way to start for today is I'm going to read this whole chunk the whole section and then we will break it apart together so let's dive in matthew chapter 6 verse 1 watch out 
Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they'll ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private, and then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask Him. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So there is a pattern to this scripture, and there's three different spiritual disciplines that Jesus talks about in the scripture. And what he does is he comes right up against the religious leaders of the day and the Pharisees. And he actually says to the people, don't do what they do. And he calls them hypocrites. So this is actually a very confrontational piece of scripture to the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus is telling the people, don't be like the religious leaders. Do not. They are hypocrites. What they're doing is for show. They're doing it for their own glory. I tell you, you do these things for my Father's glory. And so these are a warning when it comes to giving and to prayer and to fasting. And he's saying, this is not meant to be something. These disciplines are not meant to draw glory for yourself. They are meant to give glory to God. And we are to do them in the quietness and in humility. And that ties in to one of the eight beatitudes, which was to be meek or to be humble. And that is to, to be our posture in front of the Lord, is that we have a posture of humility and we do things for God's glory, not our own glory. And this is not as easy as it sounds, but Jesus gives us a warning about this because what he's saying is godly righteousness, when it flows out of you, that does not manifest itself in seeking your own glory. So heads up, if you're seeking your own glory, that is not God's righteousness flowing through you. And I just think in this day and age, this is so challenging. And I just want to get real for a second because of social media. This is so hard because where is the line of I want to post on Instagram or on Facebook and show what God is doing in my life 
But then is that boasting? Is that bringing glory to myself? Is that trying to promote myself? You know, or am I trying to make my life look good? And how do I make sure that when I'm posting and I'm out on social media, I'm giving glory to God with what I'm doing and not taking that glory to myself? You know, it's so easy to go serve at like feed my starving children and post a picture of you and your whole crew. Well, is that being a Pharisee? Is that doing it so that everybody sees what you're doing? Or are you doing it to show what it, what an amazing thing God did through you? And so I think a lot of it, you just have to check the intent of your own heart. Does that make sense? And think about why am I doing this? And maybe just pause for a minute before you post something. And I know I, in the last year, have really taken a step back on social media because I wanted to be sure that I had a pure heart when it came to this, that I had a position of humility because I was studying the Sermon on the Mount and I got to these scriptures and I was like, man, I don't even want to have the appearance of a Pharisee or that I'm trying to boast about anything in my life. And so Lord, just help me to know and make sure that what I'm doing and what I'm saying and what I'm putting out there isn't a boast on me but only about what you are doing, God, and showing what you're doing in our life. So I don't know that that is a struggle for everybody, but I just wanted to, in this social media prevalent society, I just wanted to bring this up as a point of interest of like, this is still something I think we wrestle with today, that now it's easier than ever because everybody has a platform. If you want a platform, you got one. Everybody can have a platform to talk about what they're doing in their life and just for us to make sure that what we are posting on there, especially when it comes to spiritual disciplines, if it's about giving or prayer, fasting or any of those things, to be so careful that we are doing it for the Lord and for his glory and to shine a light to others and be salt and light in the world and that we're not doing it as a boast on ourselves because then the Bible has that stern warning. That's all the reward that we're ever going to get. And I don't know about you, but I would like my reward in heaven to be so rich and so full. And I don't want to take from that and experience that reward here on earth. It's just not worth it. And so that is kind of the heart of this section is that we just make sure that we are walking out these beatitudes and, and one being humility and not being like the religious leaders of the day and making sure that our righteousness is not about self, but that it's all about God. And so this prayer, this Lord's prayer that we've all learned comes right in the middle of that. And that what Jesus is saying is, man, if your heart's in the right place, when it comes to this, di these disciplines of prayer and giving and fasting, this is what your prayer is going to look like. It's not going to be a prayer about, oh, Lord, bless my life. This is what I want. He's not a genie in a bottle. This isn't a prayer of like, Lord, here's my want list. Can you just make everything I want come true? You know, and we so often, our prayers, without even realizing it, they become so self-centered. And it's just this list of things we want, you know? And we throw out those Hail Mary prayers where we're like, Lord, you know, I don't really play the lottery, but if you could just please, I'm going to buy one ticket. If you could help that be the winning ticket, I promise that I'll tie that money, God. But you know, we just throw out these crazy Hail Mary prayers or we, we just beg God, please, 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 please. Can you help me get a nicer car? Please, 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 please. Can you help my kid go to the college that I want them to go to? Or, you know, and our prayers without us realizing it become so focused on self and 
that's part of this warning here is Jesus is saying, hey, if you are living according to these Beatitudes, according to the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, if you have godly righteousness flowing out of you, your prayer life is going to reflect that. And it is going to be a reflection of you wanting to humble yourself under God and ask for his will to be done and not just come to him with this big long list of honey do's for God. Like, please just answer all my prayers so I can live the perfect life I want. Our prayers are going to be a lot more focused on the Lord than on ourselves if we are living this way. And I know I have to check myself in this area all the time because it is really easy for me to just pray my will and what I want and my desires. And even though they're well-intentioned, I pray for other people to get healed. I pray for my kids to love Jesus and, and follow Jesus. And I pray for us to be able to pay our bills. And I, you know, I pray for all these things and they're good things, but I want to make sure that when I'm praying, it's not just what I want, but God, what you want. And, and that's what this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, does such an amazing job of doing is helping us focus on that. So I'm going to go right to the prayer now. Matthew 6, it starts in verse 9. Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And I know so many of us have learned it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so however you learned it, that's okay. But we're going to stop right here in that first sentence, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may your name be kept holy. And I want to just establish right out today, this is the purpose statement of the prayer right here. The whole rest of the prayer serves to accomplish this one purpose statement in the beginning. And it's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so we're going to dissect that a little bit to help us further understand it. And the tense that this prayer is written in, in its original form, is a third-person imperative, which means it's they're all requests. It's a let your. So you could literally go through the prayer and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, let your name be holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let us have the food we need. So this is a, a prayer of requests to God. We are, we are asking him. And the first thing that we are asking him is that he would hollow his own name. Isn't that amazing? We're saying, our Father in heaven, hallow your name. And what does hallow mean? Well, here are the words that you could fill in the blank for hallow. Honor, esteem, revere, value, treasure, love, your name. So we're saying, God, help me honor your name. Help me esteem your name. Help me revere you and value you and treasure you and love you. That's what we're doing. The first part of this prayer is asking God to display the greatness of God for us. God, show us how awesome you are. Show us your glory. Cause us to honor you and value you and esteem you and treasure you. This is the whole purpose of the prayer. This, my friends, in the big scheme of things, is the purpose of our life. This is why we are here. We are here to bring glory to God here on earth and show the world the glory of his name. And this prayer will align you with your ultimate purpose in life. 
Isn't that amazing and powerful? This is not just a set of words that we pray in church or on special holidays when we're around the table with a bunch of people. This is the ultimate prayer of Lord Display your glory in my life. Help me to treasure you and revere you and honor you and serve you and esteem you and love you with everything I have within me. This is the ultimate phrase to help us have the correct posture before the Lord so that he can pour godly righteousness into us. And just the other thing I want to point out about this first line is our Father. Now, some people think this is a prayer for everyone to pray, but this prayer is actually specifically meant for the children of God. For those of us that have a relationship with the Father, and not that other people can't pray it, but this is a prayer for his children, for those who actually call him Father, who have a relationship with him. I'm going to turn to John chapter 8, verse 42. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here and he goes up against them and he says this, if God were your father, you'd love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me for you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. And so there is a distinction between people who have a relationship with God and he's their father and people whose father is the devil, like the Pharisees were, where they do not have a relationship with God. So this is an intimate child to father prayer of like, God, my dad, my heavenly father, help me to hollow your name and revere you and treasure you and love you. It's a special thing. This is an intimate, special request we make to God that our life would serve the purpose of bringing him glory. And this was Jesus's purpose too. Two times in John chapter 12, he talks about it. And the first is John 12, verse 27. And it is in the garden um, as he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Isn't that beautiful? Glory to your name. Jesus knew that he was here to bring glory to to God. That was the purpose of his life. And again, in chapter 17, he's praying with his disciples before he goes and he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. See, Jesus was here to hallow God's name on earth. That was the mission statement of his life was to bring God glory. And so what he's showing us and what he's teaching us here is this is how we realign our posture. So we realign how we come to the father. This is how we ask him to be supreme in our life and for us to be able to serve his purposes and let his godly righteousness flow out of us. And so we can pray this prayer and ask God to help us hallow his name, whether we are doing the dishes or whether we are building a construction site for somebody else or whether we are volunteering at our kid's school or whether we are serving in our job day to day or whether we are doing the laundry, we can pray and we can say, God, help me to do this for your glory. Help me fulfill your purpose doing this task, Lord, that nothing would be wasted, but that everything that I do would come under the umbrella of hallowing your name. And that 
my friends, is just the ultimate position, the ultimate posture, the ultimate stance that we take before God so that his righteousness can flow through and out of us into the world. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. And now the rest of the prayer flows out of that. So let me flip back to Matthew chapter 5, 6. Matthew chapter 6. Don't you love the sound of Bible pages turning? It's one of my favorite sounds in the whole world. Next it says, May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is a follow through on what we just prayed. Lord, let your will be done, right? We're hallowing your name. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. And this is all that same idea of we don't want our kingdom built. We don't want our will to be done. We want our lives to serve his purpose instead. And then next, give us today the food that we need or give us this day our daily bread. And I think this is so neat because what it talks about here, the word I want to look at is the daily, is that this is, this is a, a dependence phrase, that we would come to God daily. Give us our daily bread. Don't give us a ton that we would have storehouses and bank accounts just full that we wouldn't need the Lord. But Lord, keep us in a place of dependence. Give us our daily portion so that we're dependent on you every single day. This is not a prayer of surplus or excess or abundance. And this is so countercultural to how we do things here. Because in America, security for us is having money in the bank and driving a nice car and a retirement fund and a 401k and all of the good things. That is where we derive our security from. And this prayer is like, oh no, Lord, let me find my security in you. You give me daily what I need and I'm going to trust you, God, because that dependence on him is actually what keeps us in step and needing and close to him. Next in the prayer, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And this is just a huge implication. And as we've talked about being peacemakers and being people of mercy, but what is so important about what Jesus says here is that forgive us our sins as we've forgiven other people. And if we want God to forgive us, we got to forgive other people. In Matthew chapter 18, we have a parable and it's of the, the servant who is forgiven millions of dollars of debt by the king. And immediately after that, he goes outside and he finds somebody that owes him just a little bit of money and he won't forgive him the little bit, even though he's been forgiven much. And when the king finds out about it, he throws him into prison and has him tortured until his entire debt can be paid. And then verse... 35, Matthew 18, verse 35, it says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So it is so important that we forgive others so that we receive forgiveness, right? What, whatever we give to others, we will get in return. And then finally lead us not into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one and it's interesting how this is phrased doubly here. The first is negative. The second is positive. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver, that's the positive, us from evil. And the word here used for temptation is actually neutral. And it, it, it doesn't have a connotation of being good or bad. But the idea is that God tests us, but Satan tempts us, 
right? And so we kind of have to be on guard for that. But so God tests us, Satan tempts us, but this is us asking, please, Lord, help us to make it through both of those things. Deliver us from the testing and the temptation. And that's why all of these are in here. So that it would serve the first. So the prayer could be said like this, Lord, let your kingdom come to accomplish the hollowing of your name. Let your will be done to accomplish the hollowing of your name. Lord, give us our daily bread so we can hollow your name. Lord, clear our consciences and forgive us so we can hollow your name. Lord, protect our hearts from temptation and testing so that we can hollow your name. So the whole prayer serves the purpose of like, Lord, meet all the needs in my life. Help me in every area so that I can accomplish my purpose, which is to shine your glory here in the world and hollow your name, revere your name, treasure your name, give you the glory here on earth. Isn't that just beautiful? And what a, what a powerful reminder for how we're supposed to live. And I don't know about you, but for me, it was like, I didn't realize this prayer that I'd been just kind of nonchalantly saying and had memorized my whole life was such a powerful position for how I humble myself before the Lord and ask my heart to be aligned with his and to bring all of my life in alignment so that I can bring glory to his name. I just think this is a beautiful prayer and one that is uh, has the potential to unlock whatever it is God wants to pour out out of your life. He might have something waiting for you. He might have something that he wants you to walk into. He might have somewhere he needs you to go and do work or minister or love or shine a light or be the salt or show righteousness or bring forgiveness. And he's just waiting for you to ask him to come and to invite him in and to partner with you in his will. He's just waiting. So uh, I just want to encourage you today to pray this prayer in a whole new way. And you can put it in your own words if you want. Lord, let me treasure your name today. God, help me do that. Lord, I want your will in my life. Lord, give me what I need today so I don't worry about it so that I can do your will in my life today, Lord. Lord, forgive me for all the ways I fell short with my kids today so that I can accomplish what you have for me today, God. Lord, just protect me from the, the enemy and his attacks so that I can accomplish what you have for me today, God. And I just encourage you to pray that for yourself over your life and just see what God can do when you take that humble position before him and invite his glory to be the purpose of your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that you are someone that we can value and esteem and honor and revere. Lord, let us treasure your name above every other name. Let us praise you because you alone are worthy of all the glory and the honor and the praise and the authority. God, we love you. We surrender to you. We ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our life. God, thank you for loving us, meeting us where we're at. Help us to walk out our faith in such a way that we would make your name known to the world. Amen. 
You've been listening to Mint, the podcast dedicated to making spiritual things practical. If you want more information about Mint or Reckless Abandoned Ministries, you can just head to our website at www.amintageisler.com for more information. 